1: featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things buffalo with your host Patrick Moran. All
2: right, thank you. Welcome to Talk Buffalo Podcast. Casual Friday is always this is a big week, man. I am excited. Aaron Quinn, Cover One, I- I'll tell you. Um you know, you do this year round now. You and Greg Thompson over at Cover One. I really kind of w- one of my biggest problems is that I don't enjoy the moment enough. Mm. You know, we we spend seven months per year off season talking about the Bills, and then you break right. down games, you preview yep. the next ones, and now we're in the fun part. You know, I I really want to
1: enjoy i know
2: <laughs> if you're are watching we, this if you're watching this by the way on video Eric just had that like that look like fun. Eh. i you
1: don't know, know if yeah it is fun you're right though pat um this is a message that i've been trying to get out to on our show at the end of the show we kind of give off our final thoughts um and i was trying to deliver a message as the fan in me to fellow sure. fans that are watching in the really last like three weeks heading into the playoffs my whole message has been like especially for the people around our age, Pat, like remember the drought. It's not that long ago and it doesn't take that much for a franchise to get back there and get stuck in Mm -hmm. middling NFL football. And so I am just trying to enjoy, you know, I had a really sort of nostalgic feeling of, uh, entering the playoffs again this year feeling like hey Craig and i are like vets of talking playoff football we've done multiple playoff extravaganza sure. shows we've done multiple pre and post game shows for big playoff games big losses big victories we feel like playoff vets now and i look back at when we first got started on this and you know just trying to scratch at getting in the playoffs and what that would feel like. And I I don't want to lose sight of how it feels now, because in my mind, I think this is going to go on for another eight plus years of them having divisional round games and winning the division and all this stuff. Uh, But you just don't know. You really don't. And you see teams that you think are going to be good for a long time, fall off the wayside uh, all the time. It's a hard league to sustain success. in, so do enjoy it now. Uh, Greg kept highlighting the fact that three divisional wins or three divisional games in three years in a row with playoff victories is not something to like. That is success. Even though if they lose this game this weekend, people will feel like this is a failure. And I think you can make a case that maybe the season was a failure and didn't live up up to the expectations. But the Bills organization is still very much a success just from getting into another divisional round game here.
2: Yeah, I agree. And you know, it's funny. I've been doing this uh, podcast coming up on five years now, and yeah, you know, if we would have been doing this during a different time period, year after year, we would have been talking about, you know.
1: But you've joke. been making content longer than that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We Way were all in the that. drought making content sure. together. Like, yeah, that you was know, more written stuff, though. Yeah, I'll it tell wasn't you, it's
2: fun. This is more fun. This <laughs> isn't
1: sidebar a little bit. Uh, D- DMs when this t- stuff rolls around, when we start getting into the playoffs, I wrote reached out cause I, I've been pretty hard on some of the guys in the media on Twitter and mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I'll go at them about stuff, but I reached out to all of them to say, you know, one, thank you for getting us through the drought with like, that couldn't have been easy. I make content now and to go through the drought, like those yeah. radio guys that had to go 10 plus years getting on the radio every day after defeating, defeating hours losses and cover time, four too. hours a day. Yeah they become cynical. Like now I understand a little bit more. So I would reach out, man, just those guys, especially, and people that cover the team, just be like, you know, for you guys, we always tell the fans to enjoy this, but you too. Like, I know they're not supposed to be fans and that's, but like, it's also cool to cover a team that is the most talked about team or one of the, that's in big games. This is going to be the game of the year. Like appreciate that because everybody works hard to make this type of content. And now a lot of eyes are on it. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah I agree hundred percent. You know, my, my first year doing this podcast, was Josh's rookie year and they didn't make the playoffs that year, but you knew something was special was coming. And, you know, every, every year since then, the bills have uh, been in the playoffs. It's, it's been a lot of fun. It's just one of those kind of like, you almost don't want to blink because the season goes by so quick. And, you know, I, I, I catch myself because sometimes I'm tempted to talk about Tremaine Edmonds in the off season or, you know, certain Jordan Poyer's future and stuff like that. I just, well, I he just tweeted not, about his future. Yeah, yeah. He's last it lot, night, so. He's done yeah. it a lot, man. Um, yeah. yeah. Like I said, the Rachel builders, was talking about it. Yeah. yeah, I just won't get into those things yet because I, I want to make sure that we enjoy this. Or, real quick, though, I, I did notice. Now, I, I've talked to you throughout the week, but I forgot to ask you about this when I talked to you. I, okay. I think I saw Monday on Twitter. You went to a Sabres game? Yeah, man. Bad game, uh, you,
1: by the way, but still experience. Not a great well, game.
2: You don't go to Sabres games
1: very often. Once a year. Yeah, now we go at least once a year. There's been a couple of years we've gone multiple games. Yeah, that started since the year we moved here. Uh, my wife and I were just dating. And then we had uh, a, somebody that she works with Has multiple sets of season tickets that he shares with people. And so sometimes it works out. Once a year, um, around this time of year or my son's birthday uh, coming up here uh, next month, he usually will get us a game in there. And he tries to find one of those daytime games uh, where everybody's off and we can all go enjoy it. So it's super cool that he does that. He actually used to, we used to have season tickets for the Bills together for like three or four years. Uh, Great people. They gave us the seats, great seats. Uh, here's the thing about hockey, man. I'm not a big hockey fan, but the live experience of hockey is cool every time, no matter where you go. I used to go to Portland Pirates games, which those were the Sabres uh, affiliate team or whatever back mm-hmm. in the day. Season tickets to those in Portland, Maine. And it's just always a good time. The in-between periods, they have great entertainment. Like It's just a good family fun. Um, it's exciting. The kids like it. So we do it once a year. But yeah, no, not a great game. Um, if you, every time I feel like I'm going to get into the Sabres or like, maybe this is the year. Like I, there's part of me that wants to be drawn into being a Sabres fan. It looks fun. It looks cool. I like the uniforms. Like Mm -hmm. I love Buffalo. Um, but every time I, I take a look at them and I don't see what people are talking. I always see people who are really excited about them and stuff. And I even got friends that are Bruins fans and stuff that text me like, Hey, the Sabres are looking better than I've ever seen them. But I don't know. I never see it. So I I got, maybe I got to pay closer attention or talk to Chad. (laughs)
2: <laughs> i just said chat yeah, chad on the show too i saw that yeah um you know the savers have been exciting but yeah you're right monday was not a good representation of what this team you know ha- has been this season in fact they've struggled recently now i i say this at least once a week because at some point it's important to say we're taping this on thursday morning now the Sabers have a big game on thursday night ryan miller's going into the Raptors' his number so that that's pretty cool but yeah all in all the they're struggling right now and then, yeah. and in the process they may be playing themselves out of a playoff race come late March. But they they're they're an exciting team for the most part to watch. So yeah it's cool that Seems you got that a game. It just it wasn't the best game for them to uh to watch. One bit of uh, Bill's news that has nothing to do with the playoffs, then we'll jump into this uh Bengals I guess we'll call it a preview today. Um the NFL announced that the Bills are gonna be playing in mm-hmm. London next year up top. A uh, stadium in London. I was looking yeah. up the the opponents. Not that it matters. I mean, first of all, what? You, <laughs> again, watching this on video, you don't seem too enthused about the the prospects of uh, Buffalo playing in London. No, so
1: I don't. I hate him? the London. I hate overseas football. I really do. No. I've been at it with some people. I I will say, uh, a couple people gave me different perspective of being an overseas fan. And I appreciate that perspective. I really do. And I I don't want to walk all over somebody else's. But in my perspective and the way I view the game of football, uh, I don't want teams to have to travel overseas in the middle of the season and go play um, football in a meaningful game. Like do it exhibition games. That's totally cool. And mean, expand the game, get players over there, get autographs, all that stuff. Super cool. I think uh, the NBA has done a really good job with their overseas outreach program. And I think they've had success with it, but they needed it. The NFL doesn't need it. They can just be put on TV and people will follow, right? Like it's a really good sport. You don't see Manchester United coming over to New York city to play games, to expand the interest of soccer worldwide. Like people here are still going to show up to bars at 7am to watch big time soccer games. Like you're still going to get your following either way. I think it's a little bit greedy. I think it's a little bit of a money grab. I don't like the expansion of it. I hate that the bills have to be involved in it this year. I'm not one of the, I don't actually particularly care necessarily that the bills are losing a home game. Um, It's part of it. It's baked into my hating this whole thing, but that doesn't matter all that much. I think the bills are going to have a lot of home games. Uh, for fans especially deep into playoffs again like i said for eight years here i think they're gonna have tons of home uh playoff football games so i'm not worried about that it's just i don't like the adding adversity where it doesn't need to be in a season it, Football's so limited like i think you can play around with basketball i think you can play around a little bit with hockey even baseball but you have 17 games uh seasons and i just i don't know man i just don't love I don't love adding adversity into it. I know the Bills had to travel to Detroit this year. You took a home game away, and it didn't ultimately matter. But that's like a freak accident. Like, I think, yeah, okay, you could do that in a freak incident, but I don't know. I don't like the whole thing. I also don't like Thursday night football, but I still live with it. I still watch it. I'm still going to watch the game and still support the team. I just think the NFL is too greedy, man. I think they try to expand into too much.
2: They, um, <clears throat> I look for every little advantage, and, yeah, it, it, it does kind of suck to lose a home game. And now with the 17th game, we'll still have eight true Home games, and what they usually do when you go to London is you have a buy right after, so you'll know when the buys is coming. Right. I agree with you for the most part. I would rather play nine games at Highmark Stadium. Um Just for people who are wondering, or just even
1: in the U.S., I wouldn't even care if that game was an away game somewhere else. Like I, my big yeah. thing is, like I do think there's a substantial difference. I mean, I don't even love traveling to the West Coast that much, but I can. You can do that. It's tra- tra- that's a big deal, I think, in season. Maybe I'm making more of a deal of it than I have to, but I even think making those trips east to west coast is a uh, is stressing on your training and medical staff and player preparation. I think when you do it the other way and you go overseas, I think it's even more stressful. Sure.
2: Um, for people who are wondering, and, and there are some people, and you're right, I agree with a lot of what you said. There's a lot of people who are excited because now that they know in January, they'll start making arrangements and saving their pennies to to go to London, you'll get a yep. chance to go overseas and watch a Bills game. As a fan, from a yep. team perspective, I agree with you 100%. For fans, it's probably pretty cool. And for some it's pe-
1: Similar to my uh, thoughts on training camp. Like I think training camp in Rochester is great for fans. I think it's great sure. for the expansion. I don't think it's better for the team. I really don't. I think it would be better for the team to be at Highmark in their world-class training facility and wellness recovery center. Like I, th- You can't tell me that's not a benefit. Um But whatever, I'm okay with doing what's also fun for the fans.
2: Sure. Uh, For for fans who are wondering, like, who the Bills might play, it won't be New England or Jacksonville because they're also playing in London. So we know that for sure. It's unlikely that they're going to have a divisional game played in London. So you're not going to see, probably not going to see the Jets or Dolphins. That would leave five potential opponents for the game. It would be the Giants, the Cowboys, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Buccaneers. I guess I don't care all that much, but I really do so I start thinking like are the Bucs are the bucks playing an overseas in, in, in Buffalo this this season? No, they're not are, they're, they're not on an so overseas game. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. There's one of five teams, the Giants, Cowboys, Broncos, Raiders, or Buccaneers. That's who they'll be playing in London. Um, I guess if I'm a Bills fan and I have season tickets, it would come down to well, what team do I care less about or the least about coming to Buffalo to watch a game? probably i would be like it would be nice to see denver or maybe tampa
1: denver yeah. in london
2: like i want was it Ra- like, raiders are on that list yeah but i but i'm telling you i think tom brady's gonna be a Vegas raider next year so i'm like i want him to come to buffalo so,
1: well i would think that would i don't care about him coming to buffalo anymore i think that whole thing he's so a shell of his former self that it doesn't even feel as fun to watch him lose now it's almost expected uh to see him struggle a little bit but Maybe he would fit in there well, but I think the name recognition in Europe will play. He's played a few games overseas. Like I think that
2: Yeah. Though it doesn't matter who the opponent is though. i they are gonna play. be so just excited to have a handful of games there that they'll go see anybody. Like I wanna see, see Brian I wanna see Brian Dable come back to Orchard Park. I think that would be a Yeah, I that's story the that
1: one game I think I don't wanna lose is seeing Dable come home for being a head coach in Orchard Park. I think that's a special moment for him and his family, and I want that for them. So I don't want to lose that one. And I, man, I keep coming back to if Brady goes, I also think the NFL is really struggling in Vegas in terms of getting a fan base. And I think that they would, lo- that would be an opportunity to say, hey, We're not getting a Vegas isn't a city where a lot of people live and like have ties to Vegas. It's a nomadic city. People are transient there. Right. So they're not going to get a a home base Raiders fans, but maybe they could build an international base of Raiders fans. They've invested a lot of money to be in Vegas. They want to fill that stadium with fans. Um, And so maybe they can make that a hub for international. So I can see them maybe trying to push that. They've tried to push Jacksonville as that international team and, God for like ten years, and Jags haven't been any good until maybe this year they're good. So I could see them maybe trying to branch out another team that's they're struggling to build a fan base. Too.
2: Yeah, they're, they're right. Yeah,
1: players. they've got a multi-year deal with the Jags. Yeah,
2: yeah. So uh, all right, well, you know, again, that's next year. But just some news on, on Thursday morning. Let's turn our attention to this game on on Sunday. You know, it's funny, Aaron. Um, look, I respect the hell out of the Bengals. I've talked, I've been yeah. talking them up since the off season. Definitely I thought that they. During the offseason, I felt like they did not get the respect that they deserved, but I'll tell you, man, it's weird because, again, I respect them, but like I'm oddly confident right now and calm at this point of the week when it comes to this Bills game. Now, last week, I was the same way right up until kickoff, and my anxiety kicks in like it always does, Right, but I never for a second thought the Bills were going to have any trouble with Miami, which they did. I mean, I'm not saying that I don't think the Bills are going to have any trouble with Cincinnati, but... I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm oddly confident right now w- w- with this game. It doesn't seem like a lot of people are around, around the league. And it seems like a lot of people are, uh, you want to talk about bulletin board material. Shortly before we started taping this on Thursday morning, I by accident put on ESPN's um, Get Up, which I, I'm telling you, I never watch shit yeah. anymore. Yeah, I do that that. The
1: weather's crummy enough. Why are you making yeah, you hate yourself yeah, it yourself even more? Is.
2: <laughs> it is. And they had a, a segment, you know how they always do, make you pick one or the other, and it was like, who would you yeah. rather start a franchise with right now, Allen or Burrow? All right. four dudes said Joe Burrow, all of them. I was like, really? It's pretty interesting, man. What has Josh plummeted that much in the eyes of the national media? It's, it's just,
1: uh, I man, the media. Very- I, and I know you got a lot of buddies in the media, and I fans have the recency bias too. But man, like the reactions are always, this is the best ever. This is the best. And so Josh is probably recent play, even though I don't, I actually thought Josh in that wildcard game was dealing. Like I loved what we saw from Josh Allen in that game. To be honest, there were some mistakes, but it was really the absolute, like it was some fluky stuff. And it was a really minority of what he was able to do in that game. And everything had to be right for Miami to have a chance in that game. And, and they did everything right, and the Bills still put up 34 points. It probably should have been like a 45 to 12 football game, something like that. And it was just real fluky. I don't think it's an indication of who the Bills are. I know they've played sloppy at points this year, but even with all that baked into to who they are, this is still an elite team. And I've had people, you know, we put up DVOA stats, uh, defense value over adjusted, which is, basically averages out teams against each other, compares them against each other, and, and Tells you how teams are performing against their peers, and people will be like, "Well, what about the Bills since Von Miller?" And yes, there's a decrease for the Bills since Von Miller, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But their offense is still a top three offense, and their defense is still a top ten. I think they ranked eleventh in DVOA since Von Miller's been out, but they're still better than the Bengals. Like, and everybody in the national media talks about the Bengals being this most balanced team, the most explosive offensive attack in the NFL, all this stuff. And I do agree, like this team scares the shit out of me, Pat. Like there's a lot of problems to cover and I think they're going to score points. I think this is going to be the game that it's being billed to be, but I do think, you know, the bills had such hype starting the year. And even though it doesn't feel like they lived up to the hype, right. they, they're also riding in an eight game winning streak. Like this is also one of the best teams in football by every single metric, except for some sloppy play. And you want to see it cleaned up and you don't want to see a rise up against a team like the Bengals. but the Bang like, the Bengals are also coming off a pretty sloppy win against the divisional opponent who's playing a backup quarterback and I haven't seen this Bengals team play a full game of football either Pat. Like both these teams know how to win. They know how to squeak games out. They play really well late in close games and they find ways to win. But neither of them have been just like blowing through the NFL this season.
2: It's this has been one of the wildest Buffalo Bills seasons I could ever remember and I'm even going oh, back to yeah. the Super Bowl years and here's what yeah. I mean. So There's been a lot of issues in ways. There's been a lot of criticism nationally for this Concern.
1: Concerns.
2: I mean, Josh Allen's injury is a legitimate concern. But...
1: I mean, Micah, Vaughn, you're losing all pro players. Jordan Poyer was, like, limping through this season. Um, Matt Milano's playing on that, whatever, fractured bone in his leg. Like, there's a lot of concern just on field. We haven't even talked about the off-field stuff.
2: This team is... Thirteen and three. At the end of the day, crazy. They've lost, and the three with the first place schedule. This wasn't a powder puff schedule. The three games they lost this year: three points, three points, two points, eight points total. Combining three losses, a total of eight points. They're on a winning streak. They're playing well. As I I think it's the style points Mm -hmm. since the Kansas City game. Because I mean, early in the season, they 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 crushed the Rams, they crushed the Titans, and this is coming off all the preseason hype. So you're like, man, this team's going to be like a. 85 bears type team just We're know, in in race, life, 90s yeah. bulls rockstar type of team that's what we in fact i think we might have talked about that at some point early in the season and then they crushed pittsburgh they went to kansas city and they won and then since then it's been kind of a, a wishy-washy in terms of style points type of season now again they mm-hmm. they keep winning and even the like, the losses are well you know what the Jets loss, I, they played terrible and they got what they deserved. The Bills just played a bad game. They blew the Miami loss the was
0: super
1: fluky, dude. Those injuries, the that D- weather. Yeah. yeah, The
2: Heat and then the Vikings game. I mean, they blew a three-score lead. And then if Josh Allen handles a snap from Mitch Morris.
1: Yeah. What was know? it? Somebody put up a, they're like, it, the combined total in those victories was that Bills lost by eight in those combined yeah. losses. All like, three of them. um, yeah, you're right there. Yeah. The, the, you don't want to go into this undefeated. You want to take some losses. But, yeah, it, it was incredible because after that uh, skid within the division and Josh Allen's injury, there was just so much concern of, like, this the, the wheels just falling off this thing. And they just continued to find a way to win, to grind out and wins. Grind a lot of these it. games, man.
2: Grind it is a good term because that's what it yeah. is like this season with the Bills
1: yeah and this de like there were so many games where I just kept i tweeted a ton during this this year that it felt like two thousand and nineteen where the offense was erratic defense just kept hanging you in games and keeping you in these games, and then late and close, everybody just clicked and you ended up winning a game that maybe you didn't have business winning.
2: Let me ask you this question It's not necessarily specifically about this Bengals game per se but I mean, you made it clear at the beginning. The, the Bills, as long as Josh Allen stays healthy, the Bills should be around for, for years to come. But mm-hmm. I certainly don't think the Bills window closes after this year by any means. No. But not besides not. maybe from last year where if the Bills 13 seconds, they got a home game against Cincinnati to get to the Super Bowl. So last year you, you would have to say it was the easiest path. But I feel like this is the easiest path that I, I see them getting. So you got a home game this week, and then you got Kansas City – At a neutral site, if it's Kansas City, if not, you got Jacksonville at home. I'm talking about right now, this moment. I don't know that you're going to get an easier or a better opportunity. I expect, and I know a lot of people don't like to hear this, but I expect Miami and the Jets to be a legit three-team race in the AFC East next year, especially if two is healthy. I really like the Jets roster, get them a good veteran quarterback, and I think they're a good team. They got a tough road schedule, at least on paper, and a lot of those teams, I know. A lot of times, you look at a schedule and you're like, "Oh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be easy." And then teams end up falling off or rising you're up right. you don't expect. But man, Philly, Cincinnati, Kansas City, they ain't falling off. Uh, not to mention the Chargers in a good AFC East. So the schedule's going to be harder next year. And then Josh's cap number goes up big time. So Jermaine Edmonds, if they bring him back, it's going to co- probably cost them a good chunk of money. So they're going yeah. for the first time in since this run started. I think the Bills are going to start losing players that they don't really want to lose. Like Jordan Poyer is a great example. I know they don't want to lose him, but they also mm-hmm. are not going to pay him. Someone else is definitely going to give him more money. You're going to start to see that happen, What you have not seen with the Bills. The guys that they've let go, like Levi Wallace or Mitch Trubisky, those have been like more like football decisions to this point. Right Now you're going to start to see good players go. Now, again, I'm not saying the Bills window closes after this year by any means, but do you kind of feel like this is it. Like, this, not this is it, but... This is your best opportunity right now. You got a home divisional round game. You're you're not going to be on the road for the AFC championship game. It'll be a neutral set or home. It's like this is as good of a chance as you're going to get, I feel like.
1: Maybe. I mean, we, we don't know what future playoff runs are going to look like, what injuries league-wide are going to look like. I understand your point. Last year set up pretty nice. The neutral field does make it a little bit different, or the opportunity to play the Jags, but all these teams present some real difficult matchups. It's still sure. going to be a gauntlet um, that uh, wh- whoever advances in the AFC is going to have to really run a, a gauntlet um, to to get to another. Like I, I also think there's a couple teams in the NFC that I don't think are going to be cakewalks if you get to the super bowl, even though everybody's kind of writing off the NFC this year. So, um, it's going to be a tough run either way. I think every year is going to be a tough and unique run with different circumstances, but there's a chance they, I mean, I remember a couple of those Patriot runs where things just really just shaped up right for them, whether it was the Phillip rivers injury, you know, him tearing his ACL that year, they probably should not. they probably had no business beating that chargers team when healthy. Like you just, there's always something in the NFL that just not expected or, you know, who knows, maybe next year they're rolling in with, uh, you know, Von Miller's come back healthy and he's hitting his stride and Hyde's back healthy. And this defense overall is just a back to being a top elite unit that's unstoppable. And, you know, that plays out really well for you in the playoffs. And maybe James Cook takes the next step and Shakir. Like, you just don't know what this team's going to look like, how guys are going to develop. I think they've drafted well to, to continue to keep up with teams like the Jets and Miami Dolphins. I agree that those teams are going to continue to be tough and be tougher, but man, I just don't have any concern that anyone's going to take the bills off from being the top dog anytime soon. And if they do, it's okay. Like I still think the bills would be a playoff caliber team and probably would be considered the most dangerous team to be in the playoffs. Anytime they punch that ticket, man, and they got Josh Allen as the starting quarterback for this team. They have a real legitimate shot, just as good as anyone in the NFL, as long as this continues uh, to make that run. Like, he is that special. And if he gets hot at the right time, dude, it's over. Nobody can do anything.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Sports fans who like to wager, which is pretty much everyone these days. I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than OddsTrader. Why is OddsTrader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw out some cash on them. You're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting the underdogs or profiting the most if you're going to go with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different sign-up codes and promos from the sportsbooks to get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, the Odds Trader app gives you the player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a bet tracker so that you can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, OddsTrader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're into betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to OddsTrader.com slash BlueWire. Again, that's OddsTrader.com slash BlueWire. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right, I'm back with Aaron Quid from Cover One. Casual Friday here talking Buffalo. Um, All four teams in AFC have issues. There's no clear team that's head and shoulders above anyone else. At least I don't think anyway. Jacksonville, you can look at them. They just say they don't have the experience. You know what I mean? They're probably not quite there yet, but you never know. Kansas City don't play no defense. I, I don't trust their defense whatsoever. Cincinnati's Bengals, the, their offensive line is depleted big time right now, and then the Bills are their own worst enemy, and that's been their probably their biggest problem this year, especially with a lot of the turnovers. Man, oh, so kind of like circling back to this game on Sunday okay. from a Bills perspective, I think without question, the turnovers is key. I saw a stat during the Bills' eight game winning streak because you you mentioned that they won eight straight games right now. they during the first five games of that winning streak, they had three turnovers. In all five games.
3: Mm-hmm. The
2: last three games, which they have won all of them, mm-hmm. nine turnovers in the last three games. I mean, right. nine turnovers, three games, three wins. You and don't see- Josh put
1: two on the ground that they got back. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Right. And my point is this. I, from a Bills perspective, I don't see the Bills turning the ball over three times and still beating the Bengals. Yeah, put it this way, you're really playing with fire against Cincinnati. Can't turn the ball over three times a game, which is what they've been doing. One other thing too, Aaron, circling back to what I was talking about earlier, like the national media, like on ESPN this morning, they're all saying they'd rather start Joe Burrow. A lot of people like the Bengals this week. They only played nine minutes a handful of weeks ago, but do you think that kind of burned into people's brains? Cause the Bengals did look really good. They were really yeah. aggressive. They won mm-hmm. the toss. They didn't defer. They took the ball. They went down the field. They scored. They, they, they were starting a second drive that looked really good early on before the DeMar Hamlin incident. I think that's mm-hmm. why a lot of people might have confidence in Cincy. But anyway,
1: turning it back. And the Bills happened. just played a, a sloppy-looking game where it was a 14-point spread and everybody expected it to be a massive blowout. And so I think those two recent things have led people to feeling that way. But um, yeah, I don't I don't see either team as like that much better. And I, I think if you did research uh, in preparation for that Monday Night Football game, you would have seen, and this is something I totally anticipated because you see it all over Bills games, is those scripted plays. If you have a team that's really good on the scripted stuff, they're gonna be able to probably move their way with ease down the field against the Bills on the first drive of the game, yeah. like, and they're probably gonna put up points. We saw it against Minnesota. There's been it's been kind of a consistent theme for years. We joke about it all the time in the Cover One uh, Slack DM um, that they just that is a struggle for them for whatever reason, Chicago but then they
2: went down the field and score yeah. them with ease on the
1: absolutely. Drive. They just struggle in the scripted stuff. And then Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott do a good job of making adjustments and, and really clamping on teams. And there's been almost every game this year, regardless of the offensive skill level of the opponent, there's been multiple stops where this defense has handed the ball back to the offense, either in good field position or after a, 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 what looked like it was going to be a tough drive or they've been put in bad field position they hold the team to a field goal and the offense doesn't return the favor for them like there is a little bit of inconsistency in the offense to just put to like they will go three four drives where it is just dormant and they aren't able to get anything going and that's i think the most frustrating part about this team this year
2: how do you reel back josh allen even a little bit i guess that's like the million dollar question right now because you look at the interceptions now you go to to last week's game two of them the one off Cole Beasley, I do not do not put on Josh Allen whatsoever. That was a great play. Yeah, the one yeah. on John Brown, you know, going deep, that was just a bad decision and, and, and just a bad play, period. But you go back and I'm thinking like right now in my mind, during mm-hmm. that stretch, it was like Green Bay, the Jets, Minnesota, where he threw six picks. Yeah, it's had some bad ones, like yeah. Five of those six, were they were terrible and like, or yeah. six of them, they were all terrible. Five of them were like yeah. in the red zone.
3: Mm-hmm. But it's
2: like, that's, it's like that occasional forcing it, brain fart, not taking the check down, I don't know. How do you how do you, prefer, my question is this, it yeah. you don't Doesn't take Aaron Quinn, Pat Moran, or Greg Thompson, Joe Marino, anyone to, to say the Bills can't turn the ball over. We all know that. Sure. How do you, but how do you reel him into the point? Because then you're, lo- if you reel him in too much, you're losing some of the, you know, the magical things that Josh Allen does. It's kind of one of those, you got to live with it and just hope it's one of those yeah. good days kind of deal, ain't it?
1: Uh, I think you live... With it, I think there is a certain amount of um curve you give when you play with Josh Allen. And I think that he he can absorb turnovers, even against good teams. I do. I think that he has so much ability, uh, and this offense can be so explosive at any point that while it's not ideal that they aren't consistent like they were in that Patriots uh perfect game where they can surgically move the ball and mm-hmm. get down the field and put together multiple scoring drives every single time they touch the ball, but they're never out of a game. Like I really, I, Greg makes me do my prediction, right? We all make our, each other do our predictions on that, on the show. And I had it 27, 24. And I think it's um, teams come out quick. I think Bengals probably even could jump out to a two score lead. Like they were looking like they were going to do in that game and bills punch back. And then both teams sort of kind of lock each other down. But that is this offense. I do think they can withstand some level of variance because Josh Allen is the ultimate eraser. In the NFL, it's him and, and Mahomes, and Burrow does it, too, in a different sort of way. His ability to look downfield and manipulate the pocket and play in chaos. like Those guys erase a lot of problems and flaws for their teams, and you just live and die with it, man. It, it, he's a refined—Josh is still a refined version of a Brett Favre, and I think if you went at, back, sure. back and asked uh, those guys if they could live with the Brett Favre thrown into double, triple coverage— I think they all would say, yes, like they had, they won a championship. They had multiple playoff runs. They enjoyed a great period of time. And a lot of times those hit and you celebrate them. Like if I'm going to celebrate that 52 yard bomb to Stefan Diggs where he's flat footed in the pocket and Gabe Davis is wide open, uh, 10 yards out. Then I also have to live with when that doesn't hit or when it turns into an interception or when it's a a play that's gone wrong, because those explosive plays, man, I, I think they're so important in the NFL nowadays, especially against a team like Cincinnati. This defense is going to dare the Buffalo bills to try to not, they're going to try to limit the explosive plays and say, Hey, we don't think you're a clean enough football team to put together 10, 13 play drives against us. You're going to turn the ball over. So I think Buffalo needs to lean into the aggressive nature to push for explosive plays because I don't think that they can sustain 12 13 play jo- drives consistently. I think they can put them together every once in a while, but this isn't a team that's going to go drive in my opinion. I think they have the ability to do it, they just haven't shown it this year. They're going to have to rely on some of those explosive plays so that uh they're they're not forced to put together perfect drives.
2: Looking back now, Miami the game it was a frustrating game, but do you feel like no. there's a part of a part of you that says I'm kind of glad that happened. I'm glad they played an ugly game where they had to grind out a, a win and, and find a way to win, as opposed to, say, last year, where they looked like the best team in NFL history against the Patriots. I mean, now, to be fair, last last year, they also came back and should have beat the Chiefs. But going into this game against Cincinnati, do you feel like there's a part of you that says it's better to have a lot of stuff to clean up and not get overconfident, whereas if maybe you rolled them 42-7, to seven, you might get a little bit overconfident going into a a home playoff game against Cincinnati?
1: Um, I think, well, one thing, I think fans are taking sloppy play in the wild card round as like this team can't get it right, but L.A., Last year, I think had a sloppy wild card victory. The Bucs almost lost to Heineke um, in yep. the in the Washington Command or Washington football team at the time. So I don't think that it's necessarily an indication. We've seen a lot of um, close, sloppy, low scoring football games in the playoffs. It really is just win in advance. So I get to get your point. I don't know, man. I think you could play that uh, edge either way. That being overconfident, but I think that. Um, you kind of need a level of confidence going up against the bangles. But I, I, the thing about this bills team, especially Josh Allen led team is I think he can play those either way, right? Like if he has a great game against Miami, which I think he did actually, you know, outside of fluky turnovers again, If if all all the national media was praising him this week and he was playoff Josh, I think he would just take that and build upon it and, and build upon that confidence. But now that they're kind of attacking him, and this sounds so Homer of me to say, but I think he's got that mental fortitude where every time I've seen media come out and say Josh can't do something or Josh looks like this, I've seen him disrupt that narrative. Every single time, cold weather games. We were, I remember a couple of years ago in the playoffs, we were worried, are the Bills practicing inside? Are they playing outside? What are they going to do? Is, is Josh going to be able to play in sub-30 temperatures? Can he play in the snow? And he had the perfect football game, right? Like every single time, the 20 air yards thing, his first year, everybody was concerned, well, he's got this big arm, but he's not hitting on 20 plus air yard throws. And that was one of the absolute best in the entire NFL at hitting the deep ball. Like, I don't know. Every time people put, baby into a corner uh it doesn't work out well for him josh always finds a way to disrupt that narrative and i think he's going to do that i think he will have an edge to play uh this weekend yeah
2: and look and if, if you're looking at it from a bill's perspective the turnovers have um allowed teams to stay with them that they, they should have blown away and sure. but you know on the other side of the field cincinnati's got a really good team and again i respect a hell out of them you cannot overstate how important it is to potentially have three really good linemen all not play for sure on Sunday. That's a big advantage for Buffalo. I'll tell you, maybe my eyes see things differently than, than you and Greg did. I did not like the Bills um front four. Uh, uh, when the pass rush, let me let me rephrase that. They were okay. very good at stopping the run. But I was looking at like Ed Oliver, and Ed Oliver had a sack, but it was a gift sack. I mean, he literally was untouched on the play. I, I feel like the Bills need to do a better job on Sunday with their front four. Greg brazil has been outstanding this season. Didn't really give him much in the pass rush. Say, actually, I think Boogie Basham was the best of the front four when it came to putting pressure on Miami. Yeah, he had Skylar a nice guy. Thompson yeah. last week. I feel like they got to do a better job than they did against Miami with this front four of getting pressure on the quarterback. It took a lot of blitzing. They, they sacked Skylar Thompson four times last week. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I said, it took a lot of blitzing to, to do it. I, sure. feel, I also feel like this is the, another key to the game besides the turnovers. I mean, we could talk about turnovers for an hour. Bill's linebackers, man. Edmonds and Milano, I, I I feel like they need to have a good game as well. Cause I do think Cincinnati's going to try to run the ball with Mixon more than we think, especially with a, a, a ragtag offensive line.
1: I think they're still going to take their chances with their timing passing offense. I think they're going to take shots against these DBs. They felt pretty confident in their game plan uh, in that Monday night game to just come out and take shots at Trey white at these defensive backs. And now you're going with a Dean Marlowe at safety. So I think they are going to see some blood in the water in the secondary. Um, and that I think it plays into the pass rush. I think, um, defending the pass plays in unison right secondary and you have to have a good pass rush and uh, sometimes a good pass rush can mitigate uh, flaws that you have in the secondary and vice versa so they need to complement each other you know we hear the bills talk a lot about complementary football and you know everyone hearkens to this like third and long that the bills defense you know the statistically they're pretty Dominant in the NFL across the Board but they really struggle on some of these big Plays this year which isn't common for them And really on the explosive plays which is also Just not something that we're used to seeing And I do think it is timing up pass rush, and Coverage is a, a big problem you see These third downs and you see quarterbacks just having Time and the pockets clean and they're able To step up into some timing throws And you know the way this Bills defense is is it's not Necessarily super aggressive at the point of attack all the Time it's keep everybody in front of you and I think that Plays into some explosive stuff and Bengals will probably try to take advantage of it. Um, I think you might even see some three-man rush stuff. I know Eric has talked about that and defending Mahomes that way where you just get that extra guy in and maybe uh, in coverage and a guy like grew Eric posted about that, you know, putting him back there with some of the length and him and Tremaine Edmonds clogging passing lanes. Like I do think that is a way to disrupt a timing offense, is get guys in passing lanes and just make him hold on to the ball for a second longer. Pressure also doesn't always work on Joe Burrow. Like I know we saw that with the Ravens and that looked like a formula and we've seen them lose big games because he gets sacked a lot. But if you're not getting home on Joe Burrow and creating those sacks, he's actually super good against pressure, right? So like... It's kind of a double-edged sword of, yeah, you want to get pressure on him, but, man, you better get him on the ground because if you're getting pressure, he's able to manipulate pockets. He's able to step up. He's much more athletic than people give him credit for, and he can create havoc by extending plays with those wide receivers. They know how to play off of him extending plays, and that's where things get dangerous for the Bengals. You
2: know, it's funny. These are two great teams that are going to play on Sunday, and what a treat this is, by the way. Not even for Bills and Bengals fans, just fans around the league. This is a game that the average casual fan – who's rooting for a team like Green Bay or whoever Washington is out of the playoffs. This is a game that people want to see. And it is funny too, because both teams are in a way are kind of limping into this divisional round. Like the bills did not look really that good last week. You can make a fair case that the bills could have lost that game. Ditto for Cincinnati. I mean, they could have easily have lost to Baltimore that fumble, that 98 yard um, Hubbard fumble return really swung that game. Um, Bit of news again as we're taping this Thursday morning, it's trending towards Isaiah McKenzie being available to play. Now, I know your personal opinion if it were up mm-hmm. to you, if Aaron Quinn is Sean McDermott, McKenzie's mm-hmm. probably not going to see the field. Let's, but instead of asking you what you would do, right, me, what do you think the Bills are going to do? So, here would be the scenario Isaiah McKenzie's available, which would yeah. mean that either Cole Beasley, <laughs> Khalil Shakir, or John Brown one of them will not play on Sunday cuz I'm telling you now if Isaiah is available I don't see him being a healthy scratch. So what do you right. think the Bills will do on Sunday? And again, we're taping this Thursday morning, so maybe something happens with the receiver sometime Thursday. Uh
1: I think it's um probably John Brown is your odd man out maybe. I think Khalil Shakir, you know, lost maybe a little bit in that uh sloppy victory is people were frustrated that Khalil Shakir dropped that 50 yarder or whatever that 52 yarder, but that's a tough catch, man. Like, and it wasn't really a drop. It was more the way he rolled. It touched the ground on the way down. Right. Like, and so it got disrupted. That would have been a crazy catch for him to make. Um, but I think he showed, why some of us on Twitter were excited. I think why the bills are excited about him. You heard Josh Allen talk about him a little bit too here this week and say, you know, he's a lot faster I think than people think and Bruce Nolan posted just their like combine results between he and McKenzie. And it's a lot closer I think than people realize um, because he doesn't look it and that's where, I made the comp to Robert uh, Woods when he was drafted in that, and that comp didn't come from. I think he's going to be productive in the same way Woods is in the NFL. But that Woods never looked big or athletic or strong, and but he played fast. He was strong. He was strong at the point of attack in blocking and all that stuff. And I think Shakir's showing that. So that's a side note. I do think he showed out. I think he can do everything Isaiah McKenzie does. But I do, I believe that Dorsey and Josh Allen trust in Isaiah McKenzie more at this point point, do believe that the team believes in guys that have played in big moments and played in big games. And Isaiah McKenzie has done that here in Buffalo. So they're going to trust in him. So now that we've established that, I think they're going to roll with him. I think they, they still want that. What Beasley offers in the slot. We saw them go to that early yeah, in that game. Sure. Um, and they, they ended up stalling that drive, but I think they still want that shiftiness in the slot. So I think he's there. And I think John Brown just becomes, kind of the odd man out right now. He doesn't offer the special teams play that some of the other guys do. So I think he'd be the odd man out in this scenario, but how you use McKenzie in a game like this. I think I was watching that Ravens game and where they had success in that second half was really stressing, um, the aggressiveness of the athletic linebackers of the Cincinnati Bengals and getting some, like, hey, it looks like we're running this way, but then Huntley's going the other way, or with uh, one of the running backs is heading the other way, and in using some of that kind of manipulation. I think the Bills really got to lean into that. We're talking about how good this aggressive pass game can be, but I think there's going to be some big opportunities for this Bills offense to stretch them in the run game, get James Cook out, get him explosive on the edge. We saw some big gaps where if you got a guy with speed, you can really expose this Cincinnati defense. I think we'll see some big explosive plays come out of the run game, both cook. And I think Josh, you utilize this is the the time to really get the design runs in with Josh because it's winter go home. Like now's the time to yeah. lean into using Josh and weaponizing him.
2: I agree a hundred percent. And you know, lost in that Monday night game, everyone wants to talk about the Bengals how easily and effortlessly. They moved the ball and scored against the bills. The bills had a lot yeah. of success on that first drive, running the ball and yeah, getting down the field on the Bengals. I agree with your theory about the receivers. I tend to think that Shakir might be the guy who gets scratched. So just because Brown will get you on, he's an outside guy, you know, any couple plays, maybe down the field,
3: Mm -hmm. not
2: a terrible blocker either. You look at that James Cook touchdown against Miami, Brown tied up the corner pretty well, and he ended up going in untouched. Uh, We'll see real quick too, because we got a couple of non-bills things that I want to get to before we uh, sign off for the day. Ken Dorsey's interviewing for the Carolina Panthers job, which fine. But Saturday, the day before the game, how do you feel about, an offensive coordinator the day before a playoff game? Because I don't care. You could say all of his focus is on the Bills game this week. Yeah. How, can it, how can some of his focus not be on the interview of a lifetime? I mean, literally 24 hours before they play the Bengals, he's going to be interviewing for a head coaching job, which I'm sure he's taking some time preparing for it. Is that kind of – how do you feel about that?
1: Um, I mean – I think from a team perspective, it's probably not ideal. I think the team would rather not have their coaches doing that, but I think it's part of NFL business, right? It's part of being good. It's part of having team success is people are going to want your guys. I think we're super lucky that people use uh, whatever it is, that he's a defensive coordinator and people don't like defensive coordinators or that he's old or that he's a black man, Mm -hmm. Um, that mix of things. We're lucky that Leslie Frazier is the longest tenured defensive coordinator that we haven't had to have that process really play out with him. I think Dorsey's a little premature, uh, to be honest. I, I think that everybody involved understands that Sometimes in the coaching search, you have to get your feet wet and get that interview process started. And it takes a year where you, hey, go around the league, get a couple of these interviews in, and then next year you'll be a serious candidate. I think agents kind of set this up and get that process in motion and talk to people, get good morning football people to talk about them a little bit. So I think that's where we are with Dorsey. In terms of, um, I don't care that he doesn't on Saturday. I really don't actually think it's going to impact the Buffalo Bills practice week. I don't think it impacts anything that they're doing in preparation for this game. I think they trust him to handle his business, And not have an impact. And we heard Sean McDermott this week gave the bills on Wednesday, a walkthrough because, and we heard Mitch Morse talk about it and Josh Allen because that he applies that same trust to the players. Like, Hey, we're not going to get physical and practice. We're going to go through this, but you need to be laser sharp and focused in that. We're going to give you some trust and some, uh, you know, kind of a day off. But we need to. you need to be prepared to make up for that, right? Like So I think they have that trust in the building. I think that applies to the coaches. So I'm not worried about it. I think it's probably being made out a little bit more. Um, but if the offense struggles uh, at all or stalls out, I'm sure that'll be a talking point this week. Was, was Dorsey focused enough for this game? Uh, right. But I, I'm not worried. I think these guys work so hard, Pat, all year to have this moment. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Dorsey. Head coaches too, but to be... Uh, offensive coordinator of a playoff team with Josh Allen, where you have a special shot at a Super Bowl run, like that may never happen again. That's lightning in a bottle. So I think he understands what's in front of him for La- sure.
2: Last thing, uh, as an aside, and again, let's not take it for granted because both teams could easily lose, but let's say the Bills win and, and the Chiefs win. You're looking at a game in Atlanta next week, neutral site. I know what your opinion would be whether you want one or not, but do you see this neutral site conference championship game? Potentially becoming a a regular thing with the NFL?
1: Yeah, I tweeted it out. I think they're too greedy. I think they'll see opportunities to go to bigger cities, better cities, better stadiums, um, which will, I think, force some of these teams to build better stadiums. I think it will be used as leverage, like the Super Bowl is. Um, The NFL is just, I don't want to say the mob, but they are like, they are that style of like, they're just, they're going to be greedy. They're going to consume everything in their path and any opportunity they have to kind of get in on that greed, they will. So I see this uh, probably even ending up like bowl games or it'd be like the capital one, AFC championship game presented by, or whatever, you know, like they're going to sponsor the hell out of this at some point and make it a big deal and, and stretch this out and stretch the coverage of it out as long as they can and as hard as they can.
2: I got to get before before we take one quick break and and then finish up with some, music and other cool stuff. Got to get it on the record, at least on this show anyway, your prediction for Sunday.
1: Yeah, so I said it. I think it's a 27-24. I think, you know, they. Um, I, I really think the Bagels will also get off to a hot start again, and maybe it takes the Bills a little while to settle into this game. I think they both kind of trade some blows throughout that first half. I think things kind of settle in. Defense is clamped down, and I think it comes down to kickers. I think maybe uh, T-Bass for a game-winner. Um, to send the Bills to the AFC Championship is what I'm thinking.
2: I'm telling you right now, I feel rather confident the Bills win this game by two scores, maybe even close to three scores. And for all the talk about Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Burrow and Jamar Chase, we're going to be talking on Monday about the Bills defense. I think the Bills defense is going to put together a really strong performance. I think Cincinnati having three starters on the offensive line is really gonna hurt them. They're going into a very tough environment. Also think, you know, say what you will if it's gonna matter or not, but I think I have I have this gut feeling DeMar Hamlin's gonna be on that field on Sunday against the Bengals. And I just think it's gonna give the team an even bigger lift. On even the field? Like, on the field. Maybe not for the whole game. I think he's gonna be on that field at some point Sunday. I, I think it's like suited up, uh, no, 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 no. Oh, I was like, dude, like, like, like in the same kind of hoodie that you have on right now as we tape the show, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think okay. he's going to be in the stadium, yeah. I, think, I, that's I fair. think he's going to get sure. a lift. The crowd, I I just feel like this is going to be a really good game for the Bills' defense. I don't have a score, but I'm going to put the Bills winning this game by two scores, Virgin on three scores, man. So, uh, cool. let's take a real quick break and then I'm going to come back. We're going to finish up. Um, Aaron and I have our top 10 singers of all time. Listen, if you watched the show last week you'll know what I'm talking about. I'm about about, to get roasted. And we're debuting a new segment as well, too. So be right back.
4: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking
0: a new health care regimen, including EE system. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile.
2: All right, so last week, Aaron and I spent a considerable amount of time, which was fun. Rolling Stone did a top 200 singers list of all time recently, and Aaron and I broke it down, had a lot to, uh, well, complain about, because it was a very complaint-worthy type of feature that the Rolling Stone uh, magazine did. So what I thought would be fun this week, and we're going to debut, like I said, another segment in just a minute, but I, I reached out to Aaron and I said, dude, let's, uh, here's a homework assignment this week. Let's uh, come up with our own top 10 because I remember at some point during our conversation last week, I I said to you, just like with anything, when you power rank something and people look at it and be like, well, I would take this thing. I would take this. out." All right. Well, what do you put in? And every time you put in something, you got to take something out. So on that note, um, this is going to be Aaron. Again, if you're watching this on the YouTube side, you can see the graphic on the screen. By the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure you subscribing at that like button it really helps with the algorithm but anyway Mm -hmm. if you're listening on audio Aaron will go through it if you're watching on YouTube you'll get to see the graphic too these are the top 10 um singers of all time according to Aaron Quinn we'll start from 10 let's go 10 yeah I'll let you count down you go from 10
1: Well, one thing I want to say here is there is a notable that you discussed on your on our last show here where I I just couldn't morally put him in. R. Kelly probably should be on this list if I was like being totally seriously honest with myself and in in my personal preference of music, dude before he became maybe one of the most disgusting entertainers of all time. His music was super influential in my life throughout the mid '90s through high school. Yeah, like it just, anyways. Um, so he would be in this list moving somebody out. Um, but so my top 10 is, uh, Bill Withers at number 10. I have him here. I love his voice. I think he's just a, a absolute legend. Um, Al Green at nine, which he was in the top 10 of that, uh, billboard list as you have here listed. He was 10. So I have him nine there. Right. And by the uh, way, before,
2: before you continue going, if you're watching this on YouTube, mm-hmm. you see a graphic and in parentheses, there's a number, the number in parentheses is where Rolling Stone had him. So Bill Withers, they had him 106, Al Green was 10, and Aaron Asm nine. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. yep. And then uh, Alicia Keys, which I think was maybe one of the uh, points of discussion originally why you had this list uh, out here, because you were so upset. I have her at eight. Um, you go listen to her, man. I just, the, the type of power that comes through in her voice was really nothing I'd ever heard right. uh, until I had seen her. Brian McKnight at seven. This one's real personal for me. Um, I got a brother who's about six years older than me and grown up in the 90s. He was a sucker for love songs and stuff like that. He played a lot of Brian McKnight growing up. Um, so I, there was a lot of that heavy rotation in my life. And I've been to probably four or five Brian McKnight mm-hmm. shows. Uh, and the, the sound that he puts out live, unbelievable. Never heard anything like it. I absolutely love him. Uh, one of my all-time favorites. Can listen to hours. Uh, I was even buying his CDs into the deep uh, 2000s when nobody else was really still paying attention. Right. So a lo- big fan. Mariah Carey at six. I know you said she wasn't great live. She's just part of so much of the best music. Uh, One sweet day, thank God I found you. Like her, just her amount she's of, the queen hits, of the 90s, the bo- the the ballads. Yeah, she's a queen, and so much goes into my style of music that she was a part of. Uh, number five, Michael Jackson. Uh, I got a lot of pushback from friends and family that Michael Jackson's not a great singer, and I think that's absolutely <laughs> blasphemous. I think that's absolutely blasphemous. This guy in the range of years that he was able to do it from a kid, a fen- maybe the best kids singer of all time and performer uh, all the way up into his death was still able to just jam out his style. His sound is just complete iconic. I think he belongs in any top five list there. Um, this one I think is maybe my most controversial one. And it's really about not style. Not to me. You don't think so? The Or not Michael Jackson. This next one. Number four. No, I don't think, I think it's is controversial. My, not, I not got Luther personally. Vandross uh, in the top 10. He was 31 on the Rolling Stones list. I think Luther is a weird case because His music um, is very uh, to the time period that he was in, right? Like that 80s, 90s R&B sound uh, that he was kind of sucked into and it's not for everybody. And so it doesn't translate really well, but his voice, unbelievably smooth. And it's not, he's never overpowers anybody on a track, but he can keep up with anybody like uh, Endless Love are you kidding me? Like his ability to not overpower that song and just, and stay tone for tone with Mariah Carey is just not a lot of people can do it. Not a lot of people can hang in an environment like that. And I think he's underrated in his quality. Sure. Um, Number three, uh, David Ruffin, who was the lead singer of the temptations during their biggest hits, my girl ain't too proud to beg. Um, The reason I have him here, uh pat is one i love his sound i think that it's iconic motown uh for me i think temptations are one of the greatest group band like male vocal bands of all time i think they span generations they were able to go in and out of lead singers and still have hits but nothing sounds like the david ruffin temptations and he's got hits on his own but the pain that comes through in his voice is unprecedented i think that he he just really puts that through but the reason i have him here is because i don't think Lead singers of male vocal groups get enough credit as individual talents. Like Ronald Isley should be on some of these lists. Uh, Philip Bailey from Earth, Wind, and Fire. Like these guys were incredible singers who could have had incredible solo careers that were parts of really fantastic R&B groups. And for, for that, they're knocked. I don't like that. Um, Marvin Gaye at number two. I just that uh, Marvin's one of the goats for right. me. And then Whitney Houston, number one. I've never heard anybody as beautiful as Whitney. You can't tell me anybody's got a more beautiful voice than that woman.
2: There's nobody on your list that I have beef with at all. And, okay, and right yeah. about, Everyone else right I talked to in my life hated it. You're right about Luther. Maybe be controversial to some, but to me, it's shit. That's an easy top 10 for me. Let me run down mine real quick here. Um, 10, I, I also have Brian McKnight. So Brian McKnight, by the way, didn't even make the Rolling Stone 200.
1: So crazy. And he's on
2: both of our top 10 lists. Um, nine, I have Frank Sinatra. Eight, Marvin Gaye, who you added to. Seven. Barbara Streisand. The slander that Barbara Streisand got on Rolling Stone being ranked. I don't know, like one eighty something was just ridiculous. I yeah. have Michael Jackson at number six, so we both have him in our top ten. Where it was only eighty six on Rolling Stone. I got Aretha Franklin at five. She was number one on Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. Sam Cooke at four. Um, just an outstanding vocalist. Smokey yeah. Robinson at three. Man, I'll tell you, he's one A and one B with my number one for my favorite male singer of all time. Two, I got Whitney, and one, I got Donny Hathaway. I just think Donny Hathaway, his voice was just literally majestic, and it's just a real shame that his life ended, you know, prematurely. It just, man, some of the best singers. It seems so many of them seeing their life hang uh, or end prematurely. But anyway, I, I just feel like again, if you're gonna criticize a list, come up with your own so that you could show that this person shouldn't be on there. Or I have this person there. So uh, yeah, go back, watch last week. And then, like I said, compare these lists between Aaron and I. All right, one more quick segment before I let you go. Uh, we're going to start to do this every week, or at least almost every week. Finish a sentence, pretty self-explanatory. And these are going to be random. Some will be sports. Some will be pop culture or just Buffalo life. And I'm just going to read to you a, a question or a statement, and you're just going to fill in the blank. I'll have an answer. As well, like I said, this is a this is an opportunity for fans to get to know another side. Of, you know what I'm saying? You're on Cover One with Greg two times a week and you guys are talking ball so much. And on this show, I just kind of like give fans a little bit of a another side of Aaron Quinn, know a little more about him. Let's start here. Um, my favorite place to eat in Western New York is blank.
1: Uh, so this one was a little bit tough for me because like when people come into town, to visit, I like to take them out for wings. So it's bar bill for that. Mm. But if it's just me, like my wife, uh, during my birthday, we'll ask where's the place you want to go to eat? It's uh or by falafel bar. I don't know if you've ever been there. No. It's over. It used to be, um, just falafel bar, which was over near whole foods. Um, they tore that whole building down. Uh, the guy left and then he came he went uh back over to israel um i think he's jewish he went over to israel for like a year or so came back and opened his it. on sheridan drive over by duff's like before you get to Duff's, before you get to Northtown, um it's over there in one of those little strip malls fantastic just middle eastern food shawarma rice like buffalo has really i i eat middle eastern food everywhere buffalo's uh middle eastern restaurants are absolutely phenomenal uh here so it's one of my favorites i their meals hit every single time it's Never busy. Uh, it's like a little small hole in the wall place where you can always get in and out, and, and it's really good. I love them, and th- that's my favorite place. I want, How about you? What's yours? Wa- I
2: want. I want to say barbill as well, but look, barbill can be tough because it's going to be an annoying long wait. I mean,
1: so you're long. Hungry, you're hungry to
2: wait sometimes yeah. an hour, two hours even to eat. It, it's really packed, especially if you go to the East Aurora one, the OG mm. one. It feels like everyone's on top of you. So as much as I love their food, it's my favorite food. If you want to combine wings and beef on weck. Sunny Reds in Lackawanna, and I know a lot of people don't know about this place. Phenomenal wings, really good brick oven pizza and a full menu. It's open. It's comfortable. They got a nice bar. Sunny Reds in Lackawanna is my favorite place.
1: To I've watch. been there. Matt Perino had something over there and I went down. I was like a live show for that. Yep. Uh, another place recently that I tried for the first time, we went out to dinner with friends a couple weeks back, uh, Amherst Ale House.
2: Yeah, I've been there. I've done a couple shows. There.
1: Not bad, man. Yeah. Like, And the portions good are place. ridiculous. Yep, My wife point. and I were like, we'll split a couple of things. And the salad came out and it was like this gigantic mixing bowl. I was like, oh, maybe we should just split that. Holy it's, cow! It's a nice
2: place. It's got a yeah. nice patio out there. So there's room to go outside and eat, especially, you know, when it's warm weather and they got really good wings. All right. And next, the menu is huge. Yeah. Next one. Let's kind of make fun yep. of ourselves a little bit here. Sure. My biggest toxic trait is blank.
1: Yeah, I have no problem talking about um, these. I probably talk about my tra- my flaws and stuff too much uh, and so I'll open up to these ones uh, and it's serious for a minute. I've got tons of insecurities. I think I'm a super insecure dude. I think we all are um, and I think that it's important to recognize them I and try to be better. I think some of mine present themselves sometimes, especially on Twitter and, and out on the, in the world and that's frustrating uh, probably to the people I interact with and me. So that's probably my biggest is uh, controlling my own insecurities, uh, and how I project those out. And then, uh, one that I'm constantly working on is I tend to have a super negative outlook. Like somebody will bring up plans or we'll be in a group. And I just think of all the stuff that's going to suck about it i'm just like oh this is gonna suck talking's gonna suck yeah and it's um i can't help it i my wife it drives her freaking nuts and a lot of the times i'm right and i'm justified those things are gonna suck it's like it's like larry da- david syndrome it's like the old grumpy jewish guy in me right. that just like all oh, this stuff sucks i don't want to do that it's going to be a waste people are going to be pain in the ass it's going to be lines whatever it is that's me <laughs>
2: That's I, I'm laughing because I'm I'm the same way, and I've been accused yeah. of being like that too. Mine would probably be that I'm 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 a, an overreactor. Like I'm such an overreactor. I'm too high. I'm too low. Like use this game Sunday for an example. I'm either going to be in the best mood in the history of the world on Sunday at about seven o'clock, or I'm going to be in the worst mood ever. Yeah. I just I I get too high or I get too low. Like I, I'm trying. I got to learn balance more. You know what I mean? Like everything's the yeah. best or everything's the worst. There's no just. Like you know, middle ground with me, so mm-hmm. um, all right, one more here, uh when I was a kid, my favorite toy in the world to play with was blank
1: it is super easy for me, and i you'll probably remember these they were like the um the l j n rubber wrestling figures. They're like oh, yeah. a thick rubber and they had the, the big plastic ring that went with them. We had freaking every single one of those growing up. Um, and I played with those toys probably outside of like sports stuff and playing outside and playing in, sure. the, in the, in the yard, but toys that were in our toy box, Dude, I probably played with those things probably longer than I should have too. Like, there's, I was definitely like in deep into middle school still, like setting up. I, you know what? I think I would be a great wrestling promoter. That was the fun (laughs) thing of it is I could put on a promotion way better than Vince McMahon, in my
2: opinion. That is funny. All right, so for me, I'm really exposing myself here and my age and stuff. I want to say Atari, but I can't do it. My favorite thing, and if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm going to pull up the graphic. Oh, that's fun. Coleco Electronic Quarterback. It was a handheld game. You put the batteries in. And looking at it now, and I wish I would have made a video or something to actually show some actually live The sound gameplay. that came out of that the thing, yeah. The sound of it, the the graphics, if, were, if you want to call them graphics. The favorite. dots. <laughs> but, dude, I played that shit all the time. All yeah. the time. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. All right, it was cool, man, to get a little bit loose here because, like I said, this is going to be a big game, and I can't help it. I, I think back to us talking in January, your show, my show, <laughs> and just it, it all comes down to this week and hopefully another game or two after this man what an exciting week like i said at the beginning if you're a fan kind of like try to lose anxiety a little bit kind of like enjoy the moment because before you know it aaron and i are going to be talking win or lose before you know it we're going to be talking about free agency and what guys might be coming and going and then the draft the mock drafts which is fun but let's mm-hmm. not hopefully we don't have to worry about that for a few more weeks yeah so, anyway, make sure you give Aaron a follow on Twitter. Check out Cover One Buffalo podcast. They will be live. I'm sure you'll be live. Oh, yeah, post game on Sunday. Yep. Thanks, as always, for doing this, buddy. Always good yeah, to have man. you on, man.
1: Enjoy the weekend and enjoy some division-round football, bud. All
2: right, guys, I will talk to you later. Not sure if we're going to do anything leading up for the weekend before the game, but if not, we will definitely be back. New episode on Monday. Take care, guys.